Okay. okay. Whatever. So okay. you will send us a link, what? Yeah, sure. Okay. Okay, Marky, please a few words just to introduce the RAF. Thank you. Okay, it's an honor and a privilege to be part of the meeting today. As a child of survivors, we know that this is a very important um, thing to continue to teach and to learn and to hear about the greatness of the people who went through it and taught us so much through their experiences. Rabbi Daniel Gladstein had a grandfather who was an amazing person. And, and part of his greatness was the fact that he had survived so much and seen so much of the destruction. And it was part of the person that he became and so much that he gave to Klai Yisrael came from that, um, I would say that sheer journey that survivors had of rebuilding the world and feeling that sense of purpose in, in making the world a place where Yiddishkeit was again very strong and important. Rabbi Gladstein is a uh, prolific speaker, a prolific writer. Um, his list of, of, of Svarim include El Kadmeir Aneni, Magid Harakiah for, for Purim, for Pesach, the mystery and majesty of the Yom of Neroim, the light and the splendor, darkness and dawn, and uh, and it goes on and on. He also runs trips to different places. There's one for trips to come, our Chachmei Svarad, and to Alaska. His speeches and his teachings are all enlightening and deep, and we look very much forward to hearing um, through his eyes about his illustrious grandfather. Thank and you Okay, thank you very much for uh, the warm introduction. I've spoken about my grandfather many times. I always say stories about my grandfather. Whether it's Tishabav or Yom Naraim or the three weeks or any important occasion, the most compelling messages that I could convey cannot be replicated and cannot be duplicated without a story about my grandfather. He lived a, a remarkable life. To say that he was an incredible person, that doesn't do him justice. But even though I have had many opportunities to say stories about my grandfather, but to speak about his life as one composite on a personal level makes me realize how much I miss him as our grandfather. He lived 106 years old. He had arichas yomim v'shanim. But still, if he's your grandfather, it's not long enough. His lifetime spanned many worlds. He lived an entire oilam before the war broke out. He lived throughout the dark years, and he had a successful career in Rabbanus after the Holocaust. His life really encapsulates the life story, the history of the Jewish people. And that's why anyone who ever met my grandfather, there was something about that encounter that would change your life forever. People always say they've met many great people, but nobody ever met anyone like Harav Mordechai Leib Gladstein. His personality, his Kedusha, his Devekos, 
were unparalleled. We, we don't have even a dogma to say, you know, this tzaddik was similar to him. No, this was a, a revolutionary lifetime. And in the annals of Jewish history, if a book is written about the rebirth of the Jewish people in the aftermath of the Holocaust, the life of Harab Mordechai, Leib Gladstein, Zechazak Levracha, will play a very important role. It's hard even to know where to begin. I don't want to sit here and, and give you the exact biographical details of every aspect of his life. Maybe throughout our talk, many of them will, uh, will be discussed. Maybe I'll begin by telling you a story uh, that happened in my shul about a week ago. My grandfather, after he was liberated, in one of his capacities, he became for a short time the head of the Offenbach Library, which was a great repository where Hitler uh, gathered all the manuscripts and all the svarim in Europe, because he said, you know, after he destroys the Jewish people, he wants there to be a museum of what Jewish life was like. And upon liberation, my, my grandfather was placed in charge of this lib uh, library, and he brought many of the books and many of the manuscripts back to his home in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where he served as a rub for 70 years. And included in that is he, uh, he brought a Sefer Torah back with him. So the Sefer Torah was in my grandfather's house all the years. And then uh, it was in Boston, my uncle, Dr. Isaac Gladstein uh, had it fixed up. And then when Arshul needed a Sefer Torah, it came to Arshul. So last Shabbos, I needed a Balkoire. Okay, you know, as a rabbi, you know, you, you always need a Balkoire. So I was looking around for a Balkoire. I couldn't find a Balkoire. And I called um, a family friend who lived in the neighborhood. And I called somebody by the name of Moish Lachman. And Moish Lachman, his father, Mayor Yechiel Lachman, was together with... Uh, my grandfather in Auschwitz and in all the dark places. In fact, one Pesach, my grandfather was visiting us. Uh, I was a Bachar at the time. So uh, my parents, they lived in Flatbush. So my grandfather came to our house uh, for Pesach. And of course, he was from uh, the Asar Rishonim. This is uh, Erev Yamtif for Mincha. And he comes into the shul and I was with him. And then the next person to come into the shul was Mayor Yechiel Lachman. Alansman, they were together in Auschwitz. And this was a historic reunion. And then this man, Mr. Lachman, turns to me, he says, you know, your grandfather, your grandfather knows how to daven. So, you know, like I'm looking at him, no kidding, he knows how to daven. He said, no, you don't even know what I mean when I say he knows how to daven. I was with him in the death camps. And of course, he would be sitting off to the side. He would be saying to Hillam, he would be saying to Hillam, and the Nazi would come and beat him over the head and clob him over the head and he would fall into a pool of blood. And then a day or two days later, he would wake up and then he would con continue davening right where he left off. That's what I mean, your grandfather knows how to daven. So my grandfather and Mayor Yechiel Lachman, they were together in Auschwitz. And here it is, 70 years later, my grandfather's Sefer Torah 
and in our shul, and Mayor Yechiel's son is leaning from that Torah. So this is a, gives you a little bit of a glimpse, a little window of really supernatural Mesir Snefesh my grandfather had and how he dedicated himself to rebuild his family and to really rebuild the Jewish people. My grandfather was born in 1916. He was born on Vav Adar, which means that his bris was on Tainus Esther. And therefore he was given the name Mordechai. And the name Mordechai was perhaps somewhat prophetic because this Harav Mordechai would be a great hero in the Jewish people. He was born in the city of Lipna in Poland. His parents were Yosef Menachem and Blima Mechla. His father died in the Spanish flu, something in the early 20th century. Um, my grandfather does not have memories of his father other than at his father's Levi. His father passed away when uh, his father was only 26 years old. His grandfather, his grandfather's uh, name was Mart Chaleb Gladstein, who he was named after. He was the rub in the city of Lynchitz. Lynchitz was Irva'im Yisrael. Lynchitz is a great uh, Torah center. The Kliyakar was a rub in Lynchitz. And at the time that my grandfather's grandfather, this is my great-great-grandfather, at the time that he was a rub in Lynchitz, the Malbim, the great Malbim, the Malbim were the greatest of all the Mepharshim on the Chumash, the Brisker say the Malbim has the Kayach even of a Rishain. There's certain Psukim in the Tehillim that even Rishonim were not able to explain. Only the Malbim was able to explain. The Malbim had a very difficult rabbinic career. He was hounded. He was harassed because of uh, the reform movement. And he was running from city to city at that time that my great-great-grandfather was the rub of the city of Lynchus. The Malbim found refuge in the city of Lynchus and he was a best friend of my great-great-grandfather. And that established a connection between our family and Hagoin, Rav Meir, Yechiel, Ben, excuse me, Hagoin, Rav Meir, Leibish, Ben, Yechiel, Michal, Malbim. And my grandfather was, because of this family connection, because his grandfather was so close to the Malbim, and it's amazing, can you imagine here, I'm, I'm a kid, I'm growing up in the second half of the 20th century. And I knew my grandfather who took me back to the Malbim. He took me back 160 years. My grandfather was dovuk to the Malbim, enamored with the Malbim. Not a day of his life went by without him speaking about the Malbim, speaking about how important learning the Malbim is. In fact, my grandfather's own Rashi Tevais, Mard Chalev Ben Yosef Menachem, are Malbim the same as Meir Leibish Ben Yechiel Nechal. That's actually, if you bear with me for a minute, I, I am in possession of my grandfather's Malbum. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off the, the script and I'm going to share with you. I'm not going anywhere, don't worry. I'm with you. I'm going to show you some of the copies of my grandfather's Malbum. These are editions that my grandfather brought over from Europe. This is voracious. Uh, and this, actually, this particular volume 
has the stamp in it of the AJDC, the American Joint Distribution Committee. Um, it was published in 1880. Now they knew how to pu publish books back then because the, the condition of this book is better than a book that you'll buy in this farm store a year ago. And uh, I'll speak about the joint later, but after upon liberation, my grandfather was appointed the head of the joint distribution, the religious department of the joint distribution committee. So my grandfather was very attached to the Malbum. His, that's his paternal grandfather, his maternal grandfather. His name was Pesach Moshe Goldman. He was a Talmud of the great Rav of, in, in Poland, Rabbi Shul Amikudna. Actually, he helped publish the, the Yeshua Ismalkoi of Rabbi Shul Amikudna. He was also a student of the Kotzker. So this is the environment that my grandfather is growing up in. He grows up as a Yasam. As I mentioned, he lost his father at a young age, but his mother was a great Sadegas. She was a very righteous woman. She was a beautiful woman. She had many opportunities to remarry, but she was afraid that maybe the new, a new husband wouldn't be kind to her children. My grandfather had two younger brothers, Chanoi Chenech, who he was together with all the dark years. And Shmiel, who was able to run away and escape uh, before the, at the onset of the war. Blima Michla was very dedicated to her children and especially to my grandfather because he, he was a brilliant child and a, a brilliant uh, prodigy. He was known as an Eloi. And he was sent to learn in the yeshiva of Plotsk. The Rashiva in Plotsk was a student of his grandfather, Rabbi Michal Rubinstein. And when his mother, his mother once traveled to Warsaw to be able to purchase some uh, merchandise. She had a little store that she supported the family. And she received word from the Rebbe, from the Rebbe, my grandfather's Rebbe, that my grandfather was being very, was very successful in his learning. And he was, uh, he had a very bright future ahead of him. In, in great ingratitude, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, like a carbon taida, she took all the money that she brought with her to buy merchandise, and she gave it to the yeshiva as a carbon taida. She always would, she would bring lunch every day to my grandfather so that he shouldn't have to be, uh, waste any time from his learning. My grandfather developed in the yeshiva. He ultimately received smicha even before the war from Rav Shlomo David Kahana. Rav Shlomo David Kahana, by the way, later on became the uh, Rav in Yushalayim. He was known as Aviha Agunais. I had the zchus to find and to daven at his kever. He's buried in uh, Sanhedria in Yushalayim. He also had other smichos and after the war uh, that were lost and he was able to, he, he received the Hamlatsa that uh, he in fact received smicha before the war from a great Makobot Rav uh, Huberman, Rav Yitzchak HaKohen Huberman. So the war breaks out, my grandfather was about 23 years old. I, I would like to mention also that aside from his, uh, his greatness in Torah scholarship, he also was very uh, educated and he knew many languages. And he had some kind of doctorate before the war as well, as well. And that's very important because you'll see upon liberation, he was the perfect liaison between the American army 
and the survivors. So the war breaks out. My grandfather is approximately 23 years old. He's a Talmud Chacham. He was very close with a number of Sadikim and Gedolim in pre-war Europe, most notably Rabbi Nachum Zemba, who was the eminent scholar in all of Poland and the entire world, Rabbi Nachum Zemba. My grandfather remembers, because he was a Ben Bayes by Rabbi Nachum Zemba, he remembers behind Rabbi Nachum Zemba was an, was an entire Svarim Shrank, filled up not with books, but with his personal manuscripts, commentary on Yushalmi, commentary on the Rambam, thousands and thousands and thousands of pages of commentary. And uh, unfortunately, all of the writings of Menachem Zemba were lost, were destroyed during the war, except for a few, we have Toitzas Chaim and perhaps Gur Arya Yehuda. But aside from Menachem Zemba's uh, scholarship, his midais, his refinement, his character were really from uh, from the I heard from other students of Ramnachem Zemba that Ramnachem Zemba used to go to the Gera Rebbe because he considered himself a loyal uh, student of the Gera Rebbe and he would sit in the bleachers among everyone else for hours and hours and actually somebody behind Ramnachem Zemba was once like had his elbows digging into the back of Ramnachem Zemba for many, many hours and after the tish was over and the person behind Ramnachem Zemba realized he had been inflicting great pain on this tzad, on this gadol. And Rabbi Nachman said, no, no, when we sit in front of the Rebbe, we're all equal. So this is the personality we're dealing with. But in terms of Ga'inus, Rabbi Nachman was unmatched. He was offered to be the Rashiva of Chachmei Leblin after Rameir Shapiro was offered to be the Rav in Yushalayim. He never accepted any of these positions. And my grandfather was together with Rabbi Nachman Zemba in the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising. We bring in one of our books. Actually, if you want to read more about the life of my grandfather, uh, so we have a book that was never published. It's called Parashas Gedulas Mardachai. It was not published for uh, public consumption. Does Hashem one day? There's a lot of biographical information about him. Um, Art Scroll, we published a book called The Darkness and the Dawn, where there's a lot of biographical information about my grandfather in the book The Concealed and the Revealed. But my grandfather was together with Menachem Zemba during the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising. He was actually Menachem Zemba's lookout during the uprising. And I know it's a matter of uh, controversy, but my grandfather said many times Menachem Zemba definitely supported um, the uprising at the time that it happened. In any event, um, my grandfather was together, not only with Menachem Zemba, but with uh, my grandfather's best friends were Menachem Zemba's nephews, Avrum Shazemba, Itchemeyer Zemba. And my grandfather writes in his memoirs, he didn't speak a lot about the war. This was not a subject of everyday conversation. My grandfather was the most compassionate, kind-hearted, sensitive person that you can ever meet. If somebody would, you know, many survivors, unfortunately, experienced the trauma and it affected them. It affected their persona. It affected their psychological state. And my grandfather was like, a You would have thought he would have 
been brought up with two loving parents in the most nurturing environment, with the most peaceful upbringing, the way he was compassionate and empathetic with the elderly, with the infirm, with the uh, psychologically disturbed, nobody could imagine that he went through what he went through. It's, it's really one of the great miracles of the creation of this world, the 6,000 years of creation. One of the great miracles was the fact that my grandfather emerged wholesome, sholem, vayavo Yaakov sholem. He is sholem begufai, sholem bimamoinai, sholem with his, all of his faculties. In any event, my grandfather was in uh, all the dark places. A few stories I mentioned, Rabbi Rum Shazemba. It was once Yom Kippur in Auschwitz. And my grandfather has ty- had typhus. And it was Sakonas Nefashais. So somebody has typhus. You got to eat on Yom Kippur. There's no choice. What are you supposed to do? But on the other hand, how could you eat on Yom Kippur? So my grandfather had one roll of bread. But he doesn't know what to do because what, what are you going to do with one roll of bread? He couldn't keep it on him. He couldn't hold on to the bread because he was afraid maybe he would eat the bread on Yom Kippur. But you can't trust the bread with anybody. Who could you trust bread with in Auschwitz? You know, we don't like to talk about it, but even Sadiqim would steal other people's bread to keep themselves alive. It's a fact. So who could you trust in Auschwitz with a, with a piece of bread? Only his dearest friend. He gave it to Avram Shazemba to, to guard it from anybody and to guard it from him. When the fast is over, my grandfather risked his life to fast on the Yom Kippur. Avram Shazemba gives the bread back to Maizeda. And Maizeda shares the bread with his dear friend, Avram Shazemba. My grandfather said that friendship was like the friendship of David and Yehonasan. Never... Never since David and Yonah's son was there such dear kinship and friendship than Matsoi Yonakipurim. They were so close. I, w- I want to uh, share with you an experience I had. I was in Harmanuchais. And I went to the kever of Rabbanachim Zemba, some, a kever that it took me a few years to find. By the way, if anybody wants to know where it is, it's the section up from the Chalkas Harabanim. Anyway, as I'm coming down from Ranachim Zemba, I notice the kever of Itchemayer Zemba, Avram Zemba's brother, Ranachim Zemba's nephew. And then I see next to him is Avram Zemba. And I couldn't believe it. I looked at the date of the Kavura of Avram Zemba, and my grandfather, who passed away two years ago on the first day of Pesach, so he was buried on Cholamoid Pesach. I believe Yudches Nisan and Avram Shazemba was buried. He was perhaps he passed away the second day of Pesach, buried the exact same day, 50 years earlier to the date. So these two tzaddikim who were together in the dark places, their day of Kvura was the same day, 50 years apart, a world, a year, a world apart, a Yoivel apart, an eternity apart. My grandfather writes about how Avram Shazemba was an expert in the chidushim of Ger, the Svasemes, 
And during the, the long, bitter Golas nights, they would converse in the Chidushim of the Svasemes and Gera Torah and Sugyus and Shas. And they were together with many great Rabbanim that all of their names should be Zechreinam Levracha, Rav Shimshin Shtakhamer, and other notable Rabbanim in Warsaw. And they spent their nights discussing Torah. And this is the real fruition of Lule Soyrascha Shashuai Azavadati Va'ani. One of the stories that is told about my grandfather, and when I say is told, that I, I've told many times, it's a, it's a story I heard when I was a boy. And I didn't, I never heard it from my grandfather. I heard it from my great uncle, Chanoi Chenoch, once visited us. I don't know, I must have been. I don't know, eight, nine years old. And he said over the story, and, and then later my grandfather published the story in Dasya de Shavart that they smuggled in uh, a pair of tefillin into one of the forced labor camps called Radom. And Radom was under the uh, was under the rule of a, a, a very brutal Lagerfuhrer named Ficus. And they smuggled a pair of tefillin into this camp. And if Ficus would have caught you with this pair of tefillin, he would have shot shot you in an instant. And every morning, my grandfather would wake up at the crack of dawn to put on the tefillin. First, he would put on the tefillin. Then he would give it to his brother, Hainach. And then Hainach would put on the tefillin. And one particular morning, my grandfather put on the tefillin. He puts on the tefillin shalyad. He puts on the tefillin shalosh. And then he gives the tefillin to Uncle Hainach. And Hainach puts on the tefillin shalyad. And just as he's about to put on the tefillin shalosh, Vikis barges in, he sees him putting on the tefillin, he picks up the gun to shoot, but then he gets a glimpse of this tzaddik wearing the tefillin, shalroish, and he chaps at sitter, and he shudders, and Vikis puts down the gun, and he runs out in fear. And my grandfather says, this is a fruition of that which the Gemara tells us in Brachas, v'ro'u kolame ha'aretz, ki Hashem nikra alecha v'yaru mimeka, Elu tefillin shabaroish, the Gemara says. When the nations of the world see that the name of the Almighty is upon you and they'll fear you, these are the tefillin of the head. My grandfather said it was an open miracle. So even though they lived at a time through Hester Panim, but they also saw tremendous Giloy Shrina, tremendous divine revelation in the camps. Mitoich the Hester Panim, Hastara Sheba Hastara. They saw the Kruvim embracing each other. They saw the Moira Gadol Zu Giloy Shechina. You know, I wanted to begin that every day I think about my grandfather. Every Shman Esrei I say, Baruch Atah Hashem, Eloikeinu, that's how, that's my Shalom Aleichem to the Rebbeinu Shalom. You're our God, but you're the God of our, our fathers, our Zedas. So that's a good pass. You know, when you flash an ID card like that, they let you in. That's how I begin my Shema Nasrei. My grandfather was taken, was on a selection line. You know, and he met, he met all the Rishayim. He met 
Eichmann in Auschwitz. And uh, Eichmann brought in a special visitor to Auschwitz. He brought in the, the Mufti from Jerusalem to, to be able to uh, give pleasure to the Mufti of how they were torturing Jews. And they would march Jews in front of Eichmann and the Mufti, and they would hit them in a way that the Jew would never be able to have children. And this was their entertainment. My grandfather would say that, you know, the Nazi would beat him and say, Rabbi, why, what are you praying? Why are you praying? There's no future for the Jewish people. We Germans, we will eradicate the Jews of Europe. The Jews in Palestine, the Arabs will massacre the Jews in Palestine. <laughs> and the Jews in America, <laughs> ha, the Jews of America will take care of themselves. So Hitler had a pretty clear understanding of the Jewish state. And unfortunately, what he was most correct about was the Jews of America, where more Jews in America have gone lost than Jews that were massacred in Europe. But one particular time, my grandfather was in Dachau, and he was chased to the crematoria. Hundreds and thousands were choking there with shock, convulsions. And my great uncle turns to my grandfather, he says, Martha, I need some water. I'm going to die of, of strangulation even before I get in there. And my grandfather said, no, we can't drink water now because otherwise death, uh, we'll, we'll, we're prolonging our death. And they were literally shoved into the gas chamber. And at the last moment, my grandfather and my great uncle, they were pulled by the hair. They were pulled out. You're young. You could work. And they sent them off. And I always think it was not only my grandfather that Hashem pulled out of the gas chamber. It was my father. It was me. It was my children. My grandfather had a great privilege. He was at the bar mitzvah of my son and he was able to see four generations putting on the tefillin. That was a great privilege he had. In fact, one time when we went to visit him in Pittsburgh and he sees all the grandchildren, great grandchildren, he couldn't believe it. He said, Hayinu it's like we're, we're dreaming, it's a, it's a dream. How could such a thing be possible? And he had a flashback that when he first came to Auschwitz and the first thing the Germans did is they rounded up all the old people and they were carrying them off to be, uh, to be murdered. And the old people were crying, who's going to say Kaddish for us? Who's going to say Kaddish for us? My grandfather remembers thinking, who's going to say Kaddish for you? Maybe you have children, maybe you have grandchildren, but I'm single, I'm not married. Who's going to say Kaddish for me? So my grandfather accepted upon himself that if he would ever be freed, he would always say Kaddish for the Kedoshim, which he kept this promise for 70 years. He never missed ever saying a Kaddish for the, for the Kedoshim. My grandfather was liberated. There's a well-known account that when he was liberated from Dachau in Lag Boimer, 1945, 
So the American general, Henning Linden, gives my grandfather a gun and just uh, to, to cut to the chase, because I want to speak a little bit about uh, his life after the war. To cut to the chase, he, he says, my says to my grandfather, Rabbi, take revenge against the enemy. And my grandfather said, revenge, I leave revenge to the Almighty. It's been five years since I've been together with my Gemara, Baba Basra. Now I have my freedom. I'm reunited with my Talmud. I leave revenge to the Rebunish Island. So my grandfather is Makadeshim Shamayim in front of the American general. And as mentioned, he knew English. And of course, he was a Polish survivor. So he was the perfect liaison between the American army and the survivors. So he was appointed the head of the religious department of the Joint Distribution Committee. And in that capacity, he was able to ship into the survivors, Tashmishe Mitzvah, Tashmishe Kedusha, Tfilin, Sefret Noira. He was able to publish Svarim. The very first Svarim published for the survivors, the Evan Shlema of the Gra, the Lev David of the Chida. You know, if anybody's ever listened to my shiram, I was constantly, I'm constantly quoting the Chida. I can never understand. You know, why am I Zoycha to be so connected to the Chida? If you look on my shelf over there, I have an entire shelf and a half of Swarma of the Chida. I have more Swarm from the Chida in the other room. After the war, my grandfather publishes the first Swarm for the survivors. You could see it's in the army green. It has inside the stamp American Joint Distribution Committee. So I believe in that's a chus. The Chida has established a connection with our family. Anytime I go to Eretz Yisrael, I always have to go to the Kever of the Chida. It's not even by choice. Sometimes Trump was in Israel. All roads were closed except for Har Menuchas. I couldn't get a minion. I find myself I'm by the Kever of the Chida for Mincha. And it happened many, many times. I just end up there. So the Chida is looking out for us. And... My grandfather built mikvahs in all the DP camps. He built yeshivas, tamatayras. And in the DP camps, and maybe the uh, Ezra Hashem, you'll give me an opportunity one day to speak about my grandmother. When my grandfather came to establish a Beis Yaakov, he came to a particular camp. My grandmother, Le'ashan, her name was Maras Zikenasi Sina. She was the daughter of the last Rav of Sachachav. So she was rabbinic royalty. She was, she was a young teenager at the time. And she was appointed to represent the camp to greet my grandfather. And my grandfather noticed her, but he was considerably older than her. And after he he saw how elegant she was and she had a sense of humor and he knew that she was the daughter of the Rav, the famous Rav of Sachachov. And he kept in touch with her and he told her that in a few years, she'll be ready for marriage. She should keep him in mind. And they married in Munich and Munchen. And since you're such a nice audience, I'm going to show you a picture of their chasana in uh, Munich. Let's see if I could find it. One, give me one second. Here we go. Right over here. 
under the chuppah. In, uh, not only that, under the chuppah, here's the ksuba. This was the ksuba of their chasana in after the war. Now, in the short amount of time we have left, I want to tell you briefly, um, and my grandfather's role of the head of the religious department of the Joint Distribution Committee, his most satisfying job, it was to help the survivors rebuild their life. Now, my grandfather felt after the war that he was infused with a spirit from above, with a ruach mal to resurrect and resuscitate the the Sheiris Hapleta is Hashem was infusing him with supernatural strength and he didn't tire and he didn't weary. And he, in this role, he helped many, many survivors relocate to go to America, to go to Israel. And in order to relocate, you needed to have sponsors. So my grandfather would always study the newspaper to find out. Sometimes people put in ads for their relatives and he would make connections to help people rebuild their life. And we didn't even, we weren't aware about this chapter of my grandfather's life um, till one time my grandmother was telling us about it. And, you know, we asked, how many, how many families did you help rebuild after the war? Tens, hundreds? No, my grandmother said thousands, thousands of families. In fact, my grandfather did not leave the land of blood. He did not leave Europe until every survivor who wanted an opportunity to rebuild his life was given that opportunity. And my grandmother said, okay, you know, it's time for us to rebuild our own life. And my grandfather was offered many positions. You have to realize that in the 50s, in the early 50s, many rabbinic students, American students, European students would take jobs in not only in Orthodox uh, congregations because the salary in the conservative congregation was you know tenfold of an orthodox con congregation my grandfather would never accept any lucrative offer he wanted to to lead only an orthodox congregation why because he wanted to teach gemara so he started off through his uh, connections to various officials in europe he was a uh, uh, connected with the Kehila in Pittsburgh, in Pittsburgh, in the East End, called Taras Chaim, where that was his first shul in 1951. And he served for many, many decades as a Roya Neman. There was never a more compassionate Rav in Klal Yisrael. And many times he serviced elderly people where he would wake up early together with my grandmother and wheel the people into the shul and put the talus on the people and put the tefillin on the people and then visit them during the day and feed them and buy them clothing. And my grandfather was also the, the uh, chief chaplain of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, where he would visit people who were emotionally disturbed and he would listen to them and he would give them Torah therapy based on his understanding of the Malbam on Sefer Mishle. And even when we would go to Eretz Yisrael, you know, one time I had the privilege, my grandparents took me and my brother Ari to Eretz Yisrael, and I'm sitting on the plane next to my grandfather. And, you know, 
My grandfather, the Rebbe Hashem was like his best friend. He was always speaking to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, And he was very attached to Sefer Tehillim. Constantly saying Tehillim. And he was saying Tehillim on the plane. And then at one point the time, he, you know, he points to me. He says, Donnie, look, look at this Pasuk. This Pasuk, this is my life. You rescued my soul from death. My eyes from tears. My feet from stumbling. I walk before God in the land of the living. That's my life. The Yivan Shem rescued me from death. And now I head to Eretz Yisrael to walk with Hashem in the land of the living. That that summarizes the life of my grandfather. But when we say the life of the living, he never felt sorry for himself. The subject of the Holocaust was not a subject he spoke about. If you would know him, how would you even know he went through the Holocaust? He was so emotionally healthy, so compassionate, so sensitive to the elderly, the sick, the infirm, the the struggling. That was his life. As Halech Lefnei Hashem, the Arzais Hachayim. He was always Metzapeli Yeshua. He always awaited the coming of the Mashiach. He said he believed every day when he was in the death camps, every day he believed Shalema, that the Mashiach was coming. And he was never Mesiach Das from the coming of the Geula. He awaited it, like you order something on Amazon, and it's going to come Monday and Tuesday, and the doorbell rings. He said, oh, there it is. That's how he waits Mashiach. And therefore, it's not a coincidence that my grandfather's yard site is Tesvav Nisan, the first day of Pesach. He was lucid until he was 106 years old. <laughs> he was Mizdabek Tekadosh Baruch Hu until his last day. In his last conversation with my father, Zogazunzain, my father asked, Tati, is everything okay? And my grandfather said, I'm just waiting for Mashiach. Those were his last words. And he passed away on Tesvav Nisan the day of the Geula, so that his, his neshama is forever intertwined with the redemption of the Jewish people. Who could even describe the emuna of such a tzaddik? When he was asked after the war, Rabbi, <coughs> you saw the destruction of your people Destruction of your family. I believe his father had something like ten brothers, and they were all they were all wiped out. Did you, at any point in time, my grandfather was asked by the media, lose faith in your God, lose faith in the promises of your Torah? My grandfather said, "Did I lose faith? Of course, I lost faith. I lost faith in man. How could?" democratic countries in Europe turned the other way when they knew what was happening to the Jews in Germany, in Poland. How could a civilized 
society like Germany shed their conscience and become barbarians? How could the United States of America, how could Roosevelt, who knew exactly what was happening in Auschwitz, he bombed just around the camps, he could have bombed the railroad tracks. The blood of millions is on his hands. So yes, I lost faith in man, but never for a moment did I lose faith in God. What was my grandfather's response to the Holocaust? His re response was his compassion, his kindness, his amuna, his connection to the Torah, his belief in the eternity of the Jewish people, his dedication to rebuild his own family. And he was zoicha to see four generations. He was zoicha to see great-grandchildren learning Mesechta Baba Basra, the Mesechta that he opened up right when the war was over. He was zoicha to see his great-grandchildren put on tefillin, the tefillin that he risked his life to put on in the dark places. So I'm sure the Gemara tells us, Anyone who mourns Jerusalem will see its salvation. The Ritva says that aside from the resurrection of the dead in the end of days, there will be a special resurrection. There will be a special resurrection. Me one more minute. Okay. <clears throat> Could you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Sorry. Okay. The, the Ritva says that at the before the coming of Mashiach, there'll be a special resurrection for those who awaited the coming of the redemption. And I'm sure when that occurs, it will be led on the front lines by Harav Mordechai Leib Gladstein. Zecher Tzadik Lebracha, Zechusa Yagein Aleinu, Amen. I must say the shiurim of the rabbi are very inspiring. Once you start listening to the rabbi Glashstein, Daniel, you subscribe yourself straight away. This levedikites that you live, you, we can see that you have inspiration from your ovals. We should I listen to them. Well. And thank, thank you. you, everybody. And we don't want to hold you, so we st stop on time, and everybody will get the recording. Just ask for it. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you, thank you. Tiskel Mitzvah. Thank you. Wishing thank everybody you very, very much. Very, very inspiring. Very inspiring. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I listen to you, Theorim. Thank you very much. They're very inspiring. Yeah, thank you. We should continue thank to you. have Hatzlacha and inspiration. Amen. Amen. And to Amen. inspire everybody. Thank you. Amen. Okay. Rachel Atzlach, I have a good day. Call tough, call tough.